Happy New Year. Happy 2021 from Paul Levy from Fringe Review. And you're listening to the first episode of the Fringe in Review podcast of 2021, which is actually episode four of our podcast series. And we are live at the Living Record Festival, which actually is in gear up mode at the moment. And you'll be seeing it later this month, but we're in the happy position to be able to talk to some of the art makers, some of the creators, the producers of the Living Record Festival. Over 40 performances, uh, artistic events, happenings taking place virtually online. And you're going to get to see companies who have really risen to the challenge of COVID and taken their physical world work into a digital space. But there are also companies for whom digital art, digital theatre making, digital performance has been in existence way before COVID and was of course a genre in its own right going back decades and we're going to be talking to some of them. So stay tuned and uh, this is a wonderful hodgepodge, a deliberate uh, collage really of performers. So we'll have a couple more podcasts during this month as well and be talking about lots of the exciting work taking place. So stay tuned. So we've got Dan Horrigan. Dan, I'm in my garden shed here in Brighton. Whereabouts are you? I'm in, uh, well, Southport, Merseyside. <laughs> it's a good place next to the sea. And, and what unites us is that we've all been forced online, though I believe that your film and theatre making, you know, didn't need COVID to go online. You've been in the digital space for a long time. Yeah, I've been quite lucky um, when I started out with the theatre, which is how I got into all of this. Um, there were always people who I was collaborating with who were very digitally minded. Um, so there's always somebody around who had a, you know, like a, a video camera and uh, they could set it up and they could edit. And uh, over the years, I learned a lot from them and eventually got into film. Um, but what it means is I've got a nice record of work uh, going back 20 years. Um, but I guess, yeah, I guess you could say part of the, 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 the thing about that is, of course, is that you get to, you, you get to see where you've come from. And you get to see how you got there and you get to look back. And of course, age is, is, a, is, a, good, uh, is a good indication of uh, how your tastes change. But I'm quite proud of the work, all of it. So has, has COVID kind of touched your work in a, in a way that it's devastated some people's work? You know, some theatre companies have been forced online. Some filmmakers have used COVID as their raw material. I mean, you've done sci-fi and that kind of stuff, and everyone's worried about the future, dystopia and stuff like that. I mean, has, has it been a creative thing for you? COVID is very dangerous. Uh, I have friends in China who were in touch with me uh, before it got to Italy. And... Um, they were saying that it was quite serious. And uh, I, I think at the time, you know, I, I flippantly thought to myself, uh, we're going to look back and call it Cromwell 19. Um, but the point is, we should be looking back soon, I hope. In terms of the work itself, yeah. in terms of the sci-fi, the stuff that's on offer, um, yeah, there is a dystopian um, <laughs> flavour to the work. Uh, and I have, a, I have a project called Skin Jacker, which is set during something similar to a lockdown. It's, it's an exodus and it's a romance. Um, and I hope that brings a little bit of joy. Uh, I, I kind of like to refer to it, be careful what you order in. Um, and uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a darkly cautious sci-fi with a romantic twist. I think that's a good one. So, I mean, given that a lot of your work has explored dark themes, are you 
has COVID sort of, you know, swung you to the more positive side, at least temporarily? I, th I think I think it's really, I think, yeah, I think obviously the thing is that, that it's a positive and negative charge because you spend a lot of time uh, collaborating with people in the same room and you can't replace that. But what you can do is you can contact people like we are now. You can reach out uh, via all sorts of different platforms for communication. Um, that has been heartening. And in fact, it's been good for me and I hope for the people I'm collaborating with because you know, to be able to do this, this, uh, this, this Living Record Festival, because um, there are people I haven't spoken to in years. And, and of course, this strange, unpleasant circumstance uh, has a certain gravity and, and you know, we've reconnected and now there's work coming out of it. And that's about just trying to really keep the light lit while you, you know, are going through this process. Um, and I hope that sharing the work is, is something that, that, that reaches other people and, and uh, hopefully, you know, makes it, makes it a little less awful for everybody. <laughs> Mm. So to give, give newbies to you a uh, kind of flavour of what your work is. It's eclectic. Um, there's, it's very difficult to say that there's one particular thing. Um, I write and direct and I work with musicians and I work with artists and videographers. And um, what it boils down to is it all comes from the same place. Uh, it's story. And um, how that story finds a form is part of the fun. Um, so there's theatre in our in our offering. There's theatre. Um, there's music. There's short films. There's spoken word. There's poetry. I think the point is that we we don't want it to be predictable, and we'd like it to be something that people are not quite sure they're going to get something the same the next time they listen to something from us. Hmm. If you're if your artistic work was cuisine, what kind of food is it? You know, uh, one of my favourite memories of food, I'd, I'd never really engaged with sushi before. Um, but um, when I was flying out, uh, I was working on the Isle of Man and uh, they used to have a yo sushi. And of course, the thing about yo sushi is that uh, it's on a conveyor belt, not that we're <clears throat> in any way industrial minded. But uh, the fun is you can just pick things um, as it goes along and uh, you're going on a journey and the whole thing, um, you know, is, is going to take off. And so I would say yo sushi and, and sushi. Um, but you're probably going to get uh, some real big fish in there. <laughs> is that wow. <laughs> that sounds great. Um, and maybe some sort of segue to, so what are you doing in the Living Record Festival? Yeah, so this was a really pleasant, um, this is this is what I mean when people reach out, because when, when things when things start to slow down, um, I think people kind of catch up with the things that they like, uh, they'd like to have finished or things that didn't quite fulfill their potential. Although obviously <clears throat> uh, in many ways, people do fulfill their potential in other things. But Ross and I collaborated on a project years ago called Still I See My Baby. And he was an associate director on the project. And I learned a lot about the craft of directing. And because of that, I learned a lot also about how to write a really, uh, you know, solid piece of work that that had that, um, you know, that, that, that coherence and logic, but also would be quite surprising. And Ross and I weren't able to fulfill that project, although the workshops that we did were absolutely brilliant. So I think Ross reached out because we'd stayed in touch and said, do you have anything that you'd like to contribute? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. That would be amazing. And um, so one of the joys of that, of course, has, has been that I've reconnected with Ross as well and his company and the great work that they do. And this is from what I can gather, looks like a, a you know like a real constellation of different artists coming together to throw 
really amazing work into the digital sphere where people can access it. So what's the specific stuff you're doing? In terms of specifics, I've got uh, a very nice piece called Depths, which uh, which we finished today, actually. And um, that's a, a, a spoken word piece um, set to cello. Uh, it was published in issue one of Confluence magazine. Um, and it's about a guy who renews his, his, uh, his determination to live. And it's a very hopeful piece. Uh, we have several other pieces uh, coming in from musicians, um, one in Italy that's due on the 9th that's coming back to us uh, in time to upload. Um, that's from Frank Cinelli, who's a wonderful bluesy, folksy uh, guitarist. Um, and he's, uh, he, he's scoring uh, another spoken word piece uh, about uh, a guy, a dyslexic uh, con artist, um, who receives a love letter uh, in prison and needs our help to read it. Um, then I've got uh, Zombie Sam, who's a great metal musician, and he's scoring some Apicu, which are like literary shots of espresso. Uh, and then we have the one-app plays, the movies, and we have a big production of The Duchess of Malfi, which is uh, interdisciplinary and set in a circus. So there's a lot There's a lot on offer. Um, specifically, it is theatre, spoken word, and music, and movies. So this might sound like a weird question, but actually it's become such an urgent question for me, which is we're hearing about Zoom tiredness and screen tiredness. And for me, someone that loves theatre and performance, you know, keeping this going and seeing the new opportunities that lockdown has provided creatively. How should people watch this stuff? I mean, should they be lying on the floor with the thing on the ceiling? Should they be on the sofa? Is there a way to engage with this kind of work? I think when we're it's in really important, um, you know, as an audience. I mean, if you think about when you go to the theatre, you, you expect a standard of, of, of service. Um, I think you can set your own standards because it's in your control. So some of these pieces you could watch, um, you know, on the hoof if you're going for a walk in the park, if such a thing is still allowed. You could watch it on your phone with your earphones. So that would be a movie. That would be absolutely fine. There are other things that you might want to put your uh, on your big TV, which would be the, the production of Duchess of Malfi, The Broken Heart. You might want a nice sound system on that because it's got a great score. And I think really if you, if you go into it, I mean, I'm sure with our, with our offering, um, you can say to yourself, right, I want a big bowl of popcorn for this. I want some dips and I want some Doritos. I'm going to sit there. I've got 20 minutes to chill out and I'm going to watch this film. Or you could say, I want a proper night in. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to set some ambience, make your room nice and comfortable, relax, and put on something that's going to last two hours, but it's going to totally transport you and it's going to take you somewhere far away. Final question is a kind of COVID question, Dan, but uh, here I am in my garden shed, which has become my blessed retreat during lockdown with mad seagulls in the background. I think I heard some kids in the background where you are. Are, are you OK? Generally, yes. I think it's been challenging. Um, I have a lot of um, responsibilities that kind of keep me rooted in the reality of, of the day to day. And I think um, and I think that's that's really important. I think it's important to set a routine know where you are, reach out to people, stay connected in any way you can, um, look after yourself, self-care is really important, look after the people around you, uh, make sure you're getting looked after if you need it. Um, and so I think all of those things, you know, are really important. And the point of, of, of our offering uh, with this really is to say, you know what, you can also afford to just let go for a while and hear a story and be transported. So from one use of film, from a very unique filmmaker who has a lot of experience and 
has dived into the possibilities of lockdown to another, someone whose original intention with her theatre company Nevergreen, um, Eloise Paulton, took what was really being thwarted with a piece of theatre that they wanted in the physical world and to take the opportunity to transpose it, to transform it into something digital. And that doesn't mean that they've lost their theatrical roots. And as you can hear in the interview, it doesn't mean they're not going to head back into the physical world as soon as possible, but they've been changed by this experience too. And the company is going to be the better for it in Eloise's view. It's going to continue to do its physical world arts making, but also it's going to continue to explore the possibilities of digital. I'm, I'm joined Hello. by I, Eloise Paulton. Yes, speaking. Hello. Is that the Edinburgh Fringe? Yes, that's right. all those years ago. Um, we definitely came across each other yeah. then. Well, you were having a bit of a challenging Edinburgh Fringe like a lot of people do, but now here you are was, in a very different honest, uh, world. I found the Fringe to be quite challenging, sort of increasingly so in the last few years. Yes, it yeah. was still a great experience, but yeah, that is where we first met. <laughs> But now, who could have predicted we'd be talking about, you know, a virtual uh, arts festival and you'd be in the heart of that? I know, it's crazy. Um, but it's so, it's such a fantastic turn of events. Like, despite, the, obviously, the current climate, it's so nice to feel that there's still, like, an ecosystem in the arts, if you know what I mean. So so what what's the story behind your lockdown and you arriving in Living Record Fiesta, uh, Festival? Well, um... So Nevergreen, the project that I'm an amazing team of artists, has been an idea since early 2019, actually. Um, it sort of came to me with the story of Rachel Carson, who's this amazing female environmentalist who was alive in the 50s and 60s, who I've never heard of. Um, and he said she single-handedly founded environmentalism and there's been no work of fiction made about her ever. We have to sort of make something. And... The more I read about her life and her work, the more I thought, I just can't believe that nobody's speaking about this person. And then um, we were going to do a live sharing of it in April 2020, but obviously went into lockdown in March. So we sort of had quite a lot of momentum and then it sort of had to be put temporarily to sleep. So into, into a bit of hibernation. And we were sort of discussing like, you know, what could we do to keep the project alive? how could we bring in a virtual world and sort of include it in the world of Rachel in the 21st century that kind of keeps it fresh and also doesn't lose how important her story is. And then funnily enough, in lockdown, she started to gain quite a lot of interest. Like there are lots of articles written about her in the New Yorker, the Huffington Post, the Guardian. And it sort of felt like a resurgence of her story because obviously in the beginning of lockdown, like nature was thriving <laughs> because no cars were on the road industry sort of halted so that was a parallel story to that and I think that's why people started talking about Rachel and as a result we started working on a version which could be you know interactive but could also live in cyberspace and just so happened to come across this amazing festival which seemed like the best way to sort of channel our ideas and um, it's been a challenge to work remotely the festival's been an amazing opportunity to actually bring the project to life. So like a lot of arts makers, lockdown initially was a come down, a shock, a disappointment. But then, unlike a lot, a lot of people, I think, who now are just waiting it out till they can get back into the physical world, you saw it as a creative opportunity. Absolutely, because 
we were sort of restless first of all like I think stories that need to be told they they can't really wait and I think because we'd been sitting on the idea for a while as something that we really we thinking about it anyway but this just felt like an interesting chance to pivot to the film world which actually can do a lot with nature and with sort of bringing to see people's homes and our challenge for when we want it to be a live production is trying to create you know nature in a stage setting which I, th- I think would be an amazing challenge but to be able to bring uh, nature to life and Rachel's world to life on film has been incredible and something that I've never done before and um, so that's been a huge like kind of learning curve and discovery. So this might sound like a bit of a self-indulgent uh, you know slightly cheesy horrible question but take me into your virtual devising chamber oh gosh okay so in our chamber there are lots of things going on there's there's many many elements to the chamber so we have um three kind of main parts to the film um one part is um live on Hampstead Heath so one part is footage that we've we captured across um, a weekend, which is very visceral, very real. And also I think it's a lot of a lot of people in lockdown who have been walking because there's nothing else to do. <laughs> so like walking in nature, really discovering it, seeing things you wouldn't have before. So that's one part of our chamber. And then we have a world that has become very like normalized for all of us in sort of a depressing, but nonetheless helpful way, the Zoom world thought we've got to sort of include this in some way like we can't pretend this doesn't exist and this isn't the way that this project has been born so we held um zoom sessions that we recorded where the actor is being rachel sometimes rachel sometimes herself talking about why rachel's important and talking about the project and she does things like you know she has leaves that she holds up to camera she uses a notebook like it's quite it's quite an exciting zoom as zooms go and um, but that's sort of interspersed throughout the film and then we have animation, which has been amazing to do. So the animation element is actually like um, we have lots of paintings and drawings that were um, done in isolation by this incredible artist. And they've been animated by an animator in sort of what we're calling an artist lab. And all the way through the project, there's loads of music. There's cello, there's phonic music, there's birds. There's a lot going on, like I'm doing it, um, but like it's it's managing to work together in harmony, which is really satisfying. So when lockdown ends and we all are vaccinated and we return to the physical world as arts yes. makers, do you continue this digitally, or do you take it back to where you left it, or do you go on to something else? Well, I think that with every project, there's a natural kind of um, journey, a natural economy, which means that every part has a place. So for me, the digital world we've created with this and the fact that we were able to make a short film and also that we'll have like an online gallery space, I don't want to exclude those things when we can, when we are back in real life. I think that film especially now has a big place in this project. And also the fact that you know there's something about being able to transport your message online which as much as a like filmed production of a a theater show is still gives you a sense of what it's like it can't give you the full picture 
neither can a film but I think a film does have a part to play in that that's quite nimble so what we'd like to do in a live version that we'd love to do outside um is some some way of screening elements during using shadow using all those sorts of different things and also maybe inviting the audience to um have personal headsets and sort of thinking about more um thinking more about how technology can sort of enhance it when we're back in real life and I think the Living Record Festival, you know, without it, we wouldn't have had any of these thoughts. So that's been such an amazing opportunity to just, you know, have these ideas about how we could make the project flexible. Yeah. But I, I guess it was also a question, you know, it's quite a deep question in a way about for you personally and for Nevergreen, that having done this, mm-hmm. just in terms of your instinctual answer to this, do you then, when this is over, go, right, well, that was interesting, that was great, and we're going to go back to what we were doing? Or has this thing been profound enough on you that the company's never going to be the same again and this is going to be profoundly part of what you do when lockdown's over um i think that you know much as like you know i love this so much because it's raw and because it's live so as an individual i've always had a resistance to work that is purely digital um but that having said that the remote process of creating this work and then having a chance to share it on a platform and really think about synthesizing its message, making it really accessible, all these different things. I think that they can't not be included now. And I've been extremely surprised by, just because I think this year we've all become very adept at you to communicate effectively. Um, and I've never tried that for an arts project, but like I say, we did all the rehearsals on Zoom you know, we, we made these artistic discoveries on Zoom, which I never thought was possible. So that's taught me a lot about how if you've got the will and the passion and the platform, you can make anything really. And, and actually the internet really enables that to happen in a way that kind of nothing else really can because geography will always separate us. And obviously now we have geography plus virus. Um, so yeah, I think for me, that's, that's what I'd say. Like, I, I wouldn't reject this at all going forwards. Final question. So going back to those few years where we just met briefly in Edinburgh and you told me about your work, um, this isn't just a film, is it? There, you have a theatrical or theatre-making background. So when we yeah. watch this at Living Records Festival, w- how will I identify the theatre in the film? And will I do that? Well, so my, the first thing that comes to my mind is I hate to say it is the word immersive which obviously is a total bother and quite lazily used kind of in a fringe context I think but we've really tried in the film to create this feeling of liveness and I think what's done that kind of given it the theatricality is the use of nature and how visceral it is like we have a lot of um kind of intimate shots with the actress being in nature so I think that gives it a feel of you as an audience member feel extremely in the room we also have this amazingly textured sound landscape and which again makes you feel like you're in an auditorium and I think the way that we use the kind of forest space the bedroom space on zoom and then the animation world are all very theatrical because they all feel like they're little own little bubbles and so that's been that's been really fantastic like um, and and what I would say is like I never thought theatre could translate into this medium, but it sort of feels like it has. But then again, I'm not an audience. I need audience members to judge that for themselves. 
Well, thanks very much for using the word immersive properly and not lazily. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, thank God. I, I, it's almost one of those words where you're like, what does it even mean now? It's been used so much, but I think I still know what it means. To me, it means nature and theatre. So yeah, I hope that harmony means that Nevergreen feels truly immersive. So two very contrasting theatre makers, art makers, filmmakers at a very difficult time uh, on earth as we are here in the UK in another lockdown but despite being a lockdown the creativity of people still seems to be being released. So it was a pleasure to chat to Dan Horrigan and to chat to Eloise Poulton and we'll be covering more of the, I mean it was a good word actually the panoply of creativity that's going to be happening in living record festival so listen out for more episodes and we'll be back soon bye for now and in this bumper episode for the space uk season two it was also good to cover cabaret and Pat Silver is a veteran of children's theatre, but if you don't know her work, you'll also know that she is a fine musician too. And so she has brought cabaret, piano boss style to the Space UK. And here she talks about a show that she loves and a show that's fairly unique at this festival. Hello, uh, Pat Silver over in Canada, I believe. I am. Now, what is going on in your lockdown? We've just been put into a huge lockdown, about as locked down as it gets over in the UK. Uh, we are, we're pretty strongly in lockdown here in Toronto, uh, Ontario. We, we go by province and Ontario has gone into quite a big lockdown we can only uh, get curbside pickup from stores unless the store provides an essential service like groceries or pharmacy, um, and that's pretty much it. Even the hardware. Now that was a lo- yeah, yeah. That, that was a loaded question. Is it? Do you prefer Pat or Patricia? Uh, Pat is fine. My my grandmother called me Patricia. Okay, well, <laughs> Pat, it's a loaded question. In that, of course, we're talking about a virtual cocktail hour piano bar. So look you bringing a show to the space again in their season two absolutely it's going to be it's going to just be like being in my home or being at my piano bar in toronto i played for piano bars for many many years and it's fun because you get a chance to interact with people i would talk to them while i was playing their favorite song and they would sing along and it was very casual and friendly and I love doing that. And so I'm just inviting people into my living room at my grand piano. And we're going to sit and sing some Don McLean and some Carol King and a little Joni Mitchell and songs that you probably know well, James Taylor, sing along or just listen and groove along, grab a, a pint of something that you like or a glass of wine and pretend you're at the piano bar. So is this is this live or are you, is this recorded and we kind of get into the mood as uh, we it's watch? recorded. And you'll get in the. You'll eventually get into the mood. <laughs> yes. And for people that have never heard of one, what is a piano bar? Yeah, I was wondering if they do that in the UK. Uh, here, it's literally a piano in a bar, 
and people sit around on stools, sit around the piano and chat with the with each other and with the piano player. Or they sit in the room because I, you know, I played a lot of large, large uh, clubs. So the, the piano player was always the person who was kind of the life of the party and would play your favorite song. And the, the key to being a successful piano bar player, which I was and still am, is to remember the, the requests of the people as they came in. So I never knew people's names, but I certainly knew their songs. So my success was somebody would walk in the door and I would immediately play their favorite song. And of course that put them in a good mood and they would enjoy their experience. And so that's kind of what we're doing here. There's not a chance to ask for your favorite song, but certainly I'll hit stuff that people will love. So, I mean, I guess the obvious question then is for you talking to you as a performer, um, how do you play to the camera, but imagine it's live? I had uh, my other half record me sitting at the piano and, and playing. I mean, I, we literally just used an iPhone and I sang to into the camera. I I've done a lot of performing to cameras in my career. Uh, you know, I, I'm an artist, so done a lot of television, and it's no different than doing TV, where the camera is the person, and you just have to imagine people on the other side of it. But but when we're watching, you know, we have to believe that you're imagining that there's an audience like us there. Yeah, I'm playing to you as an audience. I have you sing with me and clap along and grab it a couple of times uh, during the half hour. I grab a sip of, actually, I'm just sipping herbal tea, but you can, at the same time, I invite you to have a sip of whatever you're imbibing in, whether it's a glass of wine or a pint or, or some tea, just to join me. I mean, it's a very casual, friendly kind of presentation, uh, very inviting. And it's the best you can do when you talk about a, a format like uh, online. It's pretty hard to do online. And even if you can interact with people on Zoom, you know that, that there is a delay on Zoom. That's why choirs can't actually rehearse on Zoom because they can't sing exactly in sync. It's, it's impossible. There are some programs called like Jomulus and other programs where they get closer, but you can't actually perfectly sing along with anyone so singing along with me at a piano bar i'm hoping people will do that at home we don't need to be on zoom you can just imagine it and join in but you'd like us to get into the mood totally pour yourself a glass of something whatever whatever is your favorite bevy and and put your feet up sit by the fire pretend like you're in a pub you know i i i think you guys are in lockdown can't go to pubs right now is that correct that's right yeah well we can't either so we're gonna do a makeshift pub in your living room uh pretend you are at a pub you turn this on and it'll make you feel like you've gone out for the evening to hear a little bit of music and sit with your your bestie or or not if you're living alone but just enjoy the relaxing time it it's a low pressure just sit back and uh, get into the groove of the music kind of time. We all have enough stress right now with all these lockdowns. And with if you're a parent, you're dealing with kids who are not able to go to school because the schools are closed and you've got them running around the house. Or if you're in business and now you're having to do all your meetings by Zoom and normally you were 
face to face face and shaking hands and making deals. There's a lot of stress. So this is a de-stressor half hour, just a relaxing half hour to listen to some music, songs you probably know the words of, sing along if you know them. You there, There's no charge to watch, so you can watch it once and then watch it again. At, once you've decided all the, which songs you like, you can download all the words to the songs from the internet and sing along the next time or do it. Do a virtual sing-along with some friends. And how do you create your playlist for this? You know, I've been doing, as I said, I've been doing this for a very long time. And I I know the songs that people have asked for over the years and that, that kind of fit in a particular groove. So these are songs that I enjoy singing. And I figure if I like it and I enjoy uh, delivering the, the song that people will enjoy listening. I mean, that's that's really the best way I can figure it out is as a performer, you have to love what you're doing. If you aren't inter interested in the song that you're singing, your audience won't be either. So you have to find something that resonates with you as an artist. Uh, yeah. Can you name can you name drop for me a couple of your favorite songs you're going to be oh, playing and singing? For sure. Uh, American Pie from Don McLean. That's a, that's a very cool piece of music because it's got many verses. Most people don't know them all. I did them all. And it's a puzzle song. And I mentioned that in the show that people have tried to figure out what in the world was Don McLean talking about. We know that American Pie, you know, Bye Bye Miss American Pie uh, was the death of the Big Bopper when the plane crashed in the 50s. And we lost some very important rock and roll stars. But there's so many other references that are uh, very obtuse. Then I do invite my audience to have a listen and see if they can figure out what they are. I can't say that I've figured them all out. You know, Helter Skelter in a summer swelter. The birds flew off of the fallout shelter eight miles high and falling fast. I don't know what those lyrics are referring to. Don McLean obviously did. You can do some research and see if you can second guess him. I think people really haven't been doing that successfully. But that's kind of a neat song because it's got a lot of verses. Uh, my signature tune at the end of my piano bar evenings has always been Piano Man. I'm a huge Billy Joel fan. I went to see him play live in Toronto when he was just starting his career and uh, fell in love with his writing and his performance. And of course, being the piano man in the piano bar, whether you're a girl or a guy, doesn't matter. Everyone asks for piano man. And that really describes kind of the experience of playing, being the piano bar player, what it's like, you know, John at the bar is a friend, he gets me a free drink. It's all these experiences you have when you're sitting at the piano, playing for people around you, when people are asking for, for requests, when they're telling you their life story, There, there's a... In, in, this, in the song, it talks about uh, Paul is a real estate novelist who never had time for a, a wife. You know, these are stories that people would tell me when they were sitting around the piano of uh, their heartbreak or their love life or their kids or their work. And so that really, that song really describes what it's like to be in the center of a piano bar playing piano and listening to the stories of the people around you. And of all the songs, the final question, of all the songs you know and have played, which song uh, unlocks the doors when you're feeling a bit too much in lockdown? Uh, well, certainly I, I do James Taylor's You Got a Friend. Uh, that's one of the songs I'm performing. And I think that's the most important thing for us all to remember in lockdown 
is we're not alone. We have friends. Reach out to your friends, give them a call, share some 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 of the art with them. And the space has a lot of wonderful things going on in January. Um, and, you know, share that artistic experience. My son watches uh, concerts with friends, but they all, but online. So they all pick a time and they start exactly at the same moment and they share that concert experience uh, virtually by watching the same thing at the same time. And then they can talk to each other on their phones while they're doing it. And, you know, remember you have friends. There are people out there that care about you and that you can share this difficult time with and they will be there when it's all over, when lockdown is finished and we can walk out our doors and do things together again. But in the meantime, it's the friendships that will carry you through this difficult time. Pat Silver, thanks so much for talking to me. A pleasure. Thanks, Paul.